man, I'm excited. And you know, this just came to me. I've been working on this. I came to the church at uh, like 7, 7.30, and I came with only about two full pages of sermon notes. Now, to give you an idea of how short that is, usually my sermons are around between six and eight pages, all right? So I came, it's like, all right, God, what do you want me to speak today? What is it? Well, all the way up until the countdown, I was in my office working on it. The Lord gave it to me, and I am excited to share it with you. Are you excited to hear it today? Well, open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. We praise your holy name, Jesus. I like that. The Lord test. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. All right, Revelation chapter 2. I want to look at verses 1 through 7 this morning. And the words in my Bible are read, meaning that Jesus Christ himself is doing the speaking here. Says to the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have and have patience. And have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Say first works. Or else I will come to you and quickly remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Now in this passage, Jesus was speaking to the church at Ephesus, a city named Ephesus. You know... But it was important enough for him to put that passage into the written word of God. Therefore, because it's in the written word of God, it applies to every Christian on the earth today. Can you agree with that? The church of Ephesus was doing all the right things. They were doing good works but Jesus had something, one thing against them. They left their first love. Their fervent love and their fervent, their hot pursuit of God and the Lord Jesus Christ had stopped. Now, listen, this is a sobering reality that the body of Christ needs to wake up to. It is possible to do the right things, to do good works, yet our heart be disconnected from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's sobering reality, isn't it? That shows you that we are not saved by works. Are you hearing me? It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that faith has got to stay fervent. You know what the word fervent means? Hot. Hot, heated up, fervent, passionate. Hallelujah. 
You know, many times when people first get saved, when they, first, when they get born again, they are lovesick for Jesus Christ. They're lovesick for him. And then some time passes, and they begin to lose that flame and fervent love for him that was on the inside of them. Can anyone relate to this? Been there, done that, wore the t-shirt? Huh? They lose that childlike passion they once had for him. Well, the Lord is calling us back to that today. Psalm 11, verse 3 says this. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, I want to, there's many applications for that one scripture, but I want to use that verse in this sense. If the foundation of the fervent love that you held on to when you first came to Christ is no longer there, what can that person do that's of any worth to the kingdom of God and to themselves personally? Amen? That person will do works then without that love, without that fervent love in their heart. And it's so easy to do. Come on, somebody say amen. That that person will do works with the wrong motives in their heart then. Because the love that was there is replaced now with other motives for doing things in the kingdom of God. It becomes more of a look at me kind of a thing. Or, or it just becomes more of a robotic thing. Amen? And the Bible specifically calls those things. Works that are done apart from a passionate love for Jesus. The Bible calls those things dead works. There's no life in them. They're dead. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And I want to look at verses 1 through 3 here. And I just want to hammer home the point here. What I'm trying to reach. It says this, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. There's an interesting study. The tongues of men and of angels. Prayer language. But have not love. I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all, say all, all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow, listen to this, and though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. No profit in it at all, the word of God says. This passage says that we can do all these good things and have, it even says all knowledge, it even says we can know all the mysteries of God. But if the one ingredient of love is missing in your life, it profits you nothing. I want to point something about this passage out to you here. Now, how many of you know, most Christians, when we, when we read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter we call it, when we read that, most people, most Christians use 1 Corinthians 13 to deal with people only. They always apply it just to their relationships with people, about loving people only. But why can't we apply 
these characteristics of love toward our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? I want you to read through that on your own personal time this week. And I want you to see how you can apply that toward God. And to people. Amen? But throughout the pages of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, God has made it very clear to mankind that he wants your heart. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 5. I want to show you something here. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29. I love this scripture. It just reveals the heart of God. I love it. It says, this is God speaking now to his people. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me or reverence me or hold me higher than everything else. And always keep all of my commandments. I'll talk to you more about that, why it's not legalism. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. Oh my goodness. Listen, the by the way, the title of this message is Coming Back to Your First Love. Coming Back to Your First Love. But God wants our heart. If he can get our heart, he will have every area of our life. He just doesn't want our works. He wants our heart. He wants our emotions. He wants our will. He wants our mind. Are you hearing me, somebody? But I want to share with you some key points to always keep in your mind. Every day, if you will keep these in your heart, and in your mind, they will help you in your walk with the Lord. And I guarantee you this, if you keep these things in your mind that I'm going to share with you, your intimacy level with the Lord will go to new and higher levels. I'm telling you right now. And it will flush every bit of dead religion and tradition of man that's in you. And, and you need to meditate on this one point that I'm going to share with you. Here it is. We must not lose sight of the purpose for which we were created in the first place. We need to keep this fact fresh in our heart. We need to go all the way back to the beginning of time, all the way back to the beginning, back to the original intent of why God created us. Because God's original intent is still his intent for today. Now, if you, if you don't take hold of that, you, you're, just, you're gonna lose the very point of this whole message. In fact, it, it, the, the, his, his original intent is still his intent today. You need to hold on to that fact for every doctrine that's in the word of God. Every doctrine, divine healing. His original intent. There was no sickness or disease in the beginning, in the garden. His original intent, still his intent. The reason he created us in the beginning has not changed. It's not changed. We need to go all the way back. And when sin, when sin entered the earth, God simply had a backup plan. Are you hearing me? And the devil didn't even know it. For it says if the enemy would have known this, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. 
God sent his son Jesus Christ to make a way for all mankind to still have the opportunity to be in right standing with him and to be a friend of God. There's a little monkey wrench in there when Adam and Eve, they sinned. A little bit of a monkey wrench, but you know what? God had a backup plan. He said, why? Because my original intent is still my intent. Are you catching on to this this morning? And those who receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior by faith have legally been set free from Satan's authority and grip in their life. So, the main point that I want to share with you that will change your life if you take hold of it is this. We were created by God to have fellowship with him and to be his friend. Anything that's outside of the boundaries of that is just going to turn into dead works, dead religion, and tradition of man. If your relationship with God is not based on that fact, you're going to live a miserable life. And you're going to live a life of guilt and condemnation. Are you hearing me, somebody? If you have fallen away from the Lord and you've grown cold, you've grown lukewarm in your walk with him, I can guarantee you, I guarantee you, you have lost sight of this fact of God's original intent. There's no way that you can keep that fresh in your heart and stray from him. If you truly meditate on and keep this biblical truth in your thoughts daily, you can't help but draw closer to your heavenly father. Because he desires. He not only wants, he desires. He longs for that intimate walk with you. You. Not Pastor James only. Not Benny Hinn only. You. He wants it with you. So the reason I say if you keep that in your heart and mind... You, you will want to draw closer to him. Because listen to me. Have you ever noticed that we as humans, that we gravitate toward individuals that we know truly value and love us? Uh, hello? Come on. When you, when you find someone who truly honors you, who loves you, who respects you, who, who you know, I mean, their heart is just pure towards you, you want to hang around those people. Amen? You enjoy their company. And that's why it's so important to get a revelation of this fact in our lives. God wants to be your friend. He created you for fellowship. A purpose. We're not just, just uh, blobs of flesh on this earth aimlessly walking around on this earth. Are you hearing me? We have a purpose. We've been created for a purpose. And this truth will cause you to wake up with joy in your hearts every morning. Are you hearing me? Knowing that the creator of heaven and earth not only wants, like I said, but desires and longs for that personal touch, that personal relationship with you. Then you won't just see the Christian life as just legalistic do's and don't do this, don't do that. Do this, but rather a life of intimacy with God through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And when you have that revelation, you will be set free from all legalism. Go to, go to Psalm 139. I really believe that this is the key. One of the major keys to be set free from legalism. To be set free from religious bondage. How many of you know there's religious bondage out there? Yay, even in the church. There's religious bondage. God, does, God has not called his people to be in bondage. He's called them and drawn them to be, to have that personal, intimate walk with him. First, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 139, 13 through 18 says this. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. See, the psalmist had a revelation of this. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully raw in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. God had a plan for you before you were even born. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were, there were none of them. How precious are also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And in that, think about this. God personally took the time to form you in your mother's womb. I know we just, we just look at some of these scriptures and we just kind of casually pass over them and don't let it sink in. But he formed you. Say formed. Look at verses 16 through 18 again here. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious are also your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. This is powerful, guys. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. This is absolutely incredible. God thinks precious thoughts toward you. And not just a few, many. They're full. They can't even be numbered. More than the sands on this earth. Now listen to me. I, I really, this is powerful here. This is how, how, how sin is so deceiving. If we truly had a realization of God's love and concern for us and desire to be in right standing, we would run to him when we sin and not try to hide from him. And David was a man after God's own heart. You want to know why? Because he had a revelation of God's love and ran to him when he messed up. Now that's not a license to sin. How many of you know that? But how many of you know the provision is there? And God desires you to come back. He wants you to run to him. Like the prodigal. Run, run, run. And what a beautiful picture. The father in the, in the parable of the prodigal son, the father ran back. Ran. Not walked. Not just stand there waiting for him, waiting to rebuke him. He ran back. Isn't that something? He is waiting for some of you listening to me right now in this place on the radio and internet around the world. 
He's waiting for you to run back to him. And it's time to return to your first love, the Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Psalm 8. Psalm 8. I want to look at verses 1 through 9 here. It's actually the whole psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and and nursing infants you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him or pay attention to? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Come on. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Dominion. We have dominion over the work of God's hands on this earth. You have put all things under his feet, the body of Christ. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Now, verse 2. Verse 2, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Listen to me. This is talking about those who have childlike faith. Come on. Those who trust and love God and his written word. Listen, I bet you never looked at it like that before. The nursing infant, think about this, people. The nursing infant is totally helpless and totally dependent upon the parent to feed them. Hello? And that is where our strength is, as Christians is. Total and complete reliance upon our Heavenly Father. Think about it. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. Those who are feeding on the Word of God with childlike faith. I've never seen it like that before. I just looked at it as just the innocency of the infants. But, but tie it into the believer. Tie it into the believer here. My goodness. And I believe there's a scripture, you have to look it up on your own, but in quietness and confidence is your strength. Are you hearing me? Total and complete reliance on our Heavenly Father. Because we are totally helpless and weak apart from a pure personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you found that out yet? Anything apart from Christ is worthless, it's meaningless. Well, Paul said it this way, it's dung. It's rubbish. Verses 4 and 5, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Or pay attention to him, literally it means. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him. Say crowned. Him with glory and honor. Now listen, many people try to make humans equal to animals. Come on. You ever, you, PETA, the organization, huh? You ever see these individuals? They try to make humans equal to, uh, humans equal to animals. Or they even exalt am, animals over humans. Come on. Now, here's the sad truth. 
For the most part, animals have more rights than humans on this earth. Think about this. You hear them, don't touch the eagles, don't touch the whales. Now, I'm not advocating being mean to animals, I'm not saying that. But don't touch this animal, don't touch that, or you'll be prosecuted and you'll be thrown into prison. Yet, while at the same time, it's totally legal to murder humans with abortion. Are you hearing me? I, the Bible paints a different picture. Hello. God is mindful of man. He pays very, very close attention to us. Well, God doesn't have time for me. Yes, he does. You don't want to know why? Simple. He's God. And when you say God doesn't have time for me, guess who you just made? That's called idolatry. You made your own God. Because you brought God down to your size. That's idolatry. And that, my friend, is sin. Have you ever looked at it like that before? See, we got to be very, very careful we don't make our own God and worship it. We need to receive the real God. And the real God is only found in the Word of God, the Bible. That's where He's revealed. But God is mindful of man. His love is so deep and so wide for us, it's impossible to fully comprehend it with our human thinking. You have made them a little lower than the angels. Are you ready for your mind to be blown? You know, how many of you know we need our mind blown? <laughs> and we need to renew our mind. We need, to, we need to get our mind blown. Listen to this. You have made him a little lower than the angels. The Hebrew word that is translated angels is Elohim. Now, to some of you, that doesn't mean a hill of beans to you. you, you oh, great, it means it's Elohim. Uh-huh, that's Hebrew. No, let, let, me, let me put it this way. The interesting thing about the word Elohim is that Elohim is translated God in 2 Corinthians 19.15 and in other places in the Word of God. Now listen to me. Follow me on this now. You could say it this way. And you wouldn't do any injustice to the word of God. We as humans were created a little lower than God himself. Now that's not new age. And I'm going to show you something here. But that shouldn't surprise us. That we've been made a little lower than God himself. It shouldn't surprise us. Because the word of God says that we have been made in his image. And verse 5 goes on to say that God has crowned us with glory and honor. Are you hearing me? Now, here's the point I want to bring up to you. Because some of you are like, whoa, made a little lower than God. That sounds a little creepy to me. That sounds a little blasphemous to me, Pastor James. Let me pull something out to you here. Listen to this. I want you to notice something about Satan and evil spirits. Are you ready for this? They have the, taken the truth of this in Psalm 8. And they have twisted it in the minds of mankind. Are you ready for this truth? For the unbeliever, he has twisted it by telling them that they are God. They've made the unbeliever, the new agers, say that you are equal to God. Well, that's not scriptural. Uh, that's, a, that's a lie from the pits of hell. Are you hearing me? That's a new age philosophy, but 
It has been around since Adam and, and Eve. Because I want you to remember in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.5, Genesis 3.5, Satan told Eve that if she ate the forbidden fruit, that she would be like God or equal to God. Follow me on this now. Now, so that's what happens in the unbeliever, how Satan and evil spirits try to twist this thing. Now, for the Christian, now it's interesting because once someone gets saved now, now it's the, all the other side of the ditch. The enemy tries to plant the thought that you are worthless, you're powerless, you're meaningless, and you're a nobody to God. Have you ever noticed that? Before you're a Christian boy, you think you are God. Now you get a Christian and you think, well, I'm just dirt, I'm just nothing. I can't do anything. Did you, are you following me? You see how, what a, the devil's such a liar. But the fact is, what is the middle of the road? That we have been made a little lower than our creator, God himself. Wow. But listen to me. Satan will always try to challenge your position in Jesus Christ. He works overtime to try to hinder you from getting the revelation of who you are in Jesus Christ as a Christian. Because he knows when you get that revelation, you're off to the races. You are off to the races and you are out and you'll be on a mission to destroy and pull down Satan's kingdom. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. He tries to hinder the revelation that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And nothing is impossible for you through him. Now, listen, Satan even said to Jesus Christ himself in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He said, if you are the son of God. Satan was stupid enough to challenge who Jesus was. Satan knew who Jesus was. He was going around, he was doing, uh, Satan could see the anointing all over Jesus. Can you agree with that? What it was, he's trying to plant these thoughts. And that's exactly what he did. Here it is. Here's my theme. Everything starts in the thought life. As a man thinks, so is he, the Bible says. You think you're powerless and worthless? Guess what? That's the direction you're going to go as a Christian. Now, now, when the tempter, Satan, came to him, to Jesus, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Satan will always try to challenge you. And when Satan and evil spirits try to challenge who you are in Christ, you, like Jesus, need to fire back. Come on, and say, it is written. Yes. No, I've been made a little lower than Elohim. Are you hearing me? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to stay in the middle of the road and simply believe, receive, and confess what the Word of God says. If you weren't here last week on, on my message, How to Release Your Faith, you need to get a copy of it. 
But listen, the struggles in the mind or thought life for the Christian. Listen, I mean, really. The struggles in the mind or thought life for the Christian should end or be settled with the written word of God. It should be. We should just receive it with childlike faith. End of story. Boom. The verdict is in. God says this. That's it. Right? Why, why do we as Christians struggle so much? Oh, oh, yeah. I'll tell you why. The Bible says this. Don't make provision for the flesh. Now listen, this is interesting. You know what the word, don't put yourself in a situation where your flesh is going to be able to get, react and turned on to sin, all right? But listen to this. <laughs> Look at the words. Split the words up. Provision. Don't think ahead and conceive the thing in your thought life first. Provision. Did you catch that? But we, I mean, the, the, the thoughts that come in to the mind, anything, the Bible says, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, which is the word of God, we need to cast down. We should just, when, when an evil thought comes in, you know it's not from God. Don't sit there and struggle with it for six hours. Just say, devil, the word says this, and that settles it. That's it. The verdict's in. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Getting happy up here. Now, like I said, you need to simply receive what God says about you with childlike faith. Now, how couldn't you fervently love and obey a God that values you so much? How couldn't you? And now, the commandments. I said I'd talk a little bit about the commandments of God, that they're not legalistic. The commandments of God in the Word of God are not legalistic. They are the love of God showing us the path to eternal life and blessing. That's it. Well, it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. No, 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 no. It's the love of God showing us, revealing to mankind the path to eternal life, the path to blessing on this earth and how to walk in victory. Are you hearing me? And not only that, but God has given us his Holy Spirit to empower and to help us be doers of the word. Listen to this. Let me, give you a, let me shed a little more light on this, and I hope this helps you out, all right, as I'm getting ready to close. The word of God reveals to us in the commandments of God. It reveals the boundaries that separate God's property from Satan's property. Now let me ask you this. Whose property do you want to live on? God's? Then you've got to stay within the boundaries of the Word of God. Do you ever follow? Think about it that way. Boundaries. That's all the Word of God does. It sets up boundaries. Do not make an own God to suit yourself. Well, there's a boundary. Better not cross outside. Because if I do, I'm, I'm on the devil's territory. All right? Don't be a fornicator. Well, Okay, there's another boundary. Thank, thank you. We should be saying, thank you, Lord, for showing me my boundaries. And I'll tell you right now, uh, even with children, you know, even though, you know, sometimes they're rebellious and stuff, but they like having boundaries. They like, they actually, you know what? It res they respect their parents more when there's boundaries. They might not say that to you openly, parents, but they do. You want to know why? 
Because there's a comfort zone when there's boundaries. Are you hearing me? And we need to look at the word of God as our comfort zone. Oh, think about that. You want peace today? Get, get back in the comfort zone. <laughs> Woo. Get back in the comfort zone. Get back within the boundaries. You got zapped with that electric fence by crossing the line. Now you hear me? Get back in. Get back in. Abide. The Bible says in John 15, abide where? In Christ. Well, John 1 says that Jesus is the Word made flesh. John 15 says abide in Christ. So abiding in Christ means abiding in the Word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, uh, let's see here. But the Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. That's what it simply is. And you know what? God did not have to. Think about, this is, the word of God is the grace and mercy of God. Because God didn't have to put the boundaries, show us what the boundaries are. Because laws have been put into motion. How many of you know there's a real devil? There's a real God. There's a kingdom of God. There's a kingdom of Satan. That shows us our boundaries right here to stay within the kingdom of God. But God desires every person on this earth to have such an abundant life through his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, my last scripture here, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. God is saying, come back. Come back. Come back to your first love. Come back. Come back into the boundaries where I can protect you, where I can love on you. Where you can be filled with the perfect peace that passes all understanding, no matter what you're going through right now. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. He, God says this, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Well, we read earlier that his thoughts are numerous. What are they then? Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me, here it is, with all your heart. It's time to make the first things of Christianity the first things. We need to press into God with all of our heart. We need to love him fervently. Have you left your first love? Jesus Christ, have you fallen away from him? Have you gone outside of the boundaries? You need to remember back when you were first born again. You need to go back and this, in marriage counseling. You always try to, if there's, they're having marriage problems, you always take them back to, what was the original intent you guys got together? Again, there it is, the original intent. We need to stay focused on the original intent. Go back. What, was, what, what were you like when you first made Jesus Lord of your life? Stir it up. Stir those memories up within you and get back there. Do what it takes to get back there. Remember, when you first came to Christ, you could not stop thinking and talking about him. If you are truly in love with someone, they will fill your thoughts. They'll fill your thought life. Your whole life revolves around that person, right? How many of you know, you know that love is starting to slip 
When, when, when a spouse or someone doesn't care about the other person and does what they want without even considering the thoughts of the other, you know there's a warning sign right there. Amen? And when we lose our hunger for the Word of God, when we lose our hunger and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, red flag, red flag. But when you're in love with someone, you start making changes that will accommodate that love you possess for that person. And our lives as Christians need to, needs to revolve around the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. It's time for us to make the Lord Jesus Christ the true love and priority of our life. Now if you agree with that, say amen and let's stand to your feet. It's time to come back. It's time to come back. Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, You've left your first love. It's time to make first things first. It's time to come back to Jesus. It's time to stir up a hunger, a love, and a passion for him. Now, maybe there's someone in this place. You're on the outside. You're looking in because you have never made Jesus Lord of your life. You know you're a sinner. Uh, I don't have to get up behind the pulpit and tell you that. Your conscience knows that. And the Word of God says that if you die in your sins without making Jesus the Lord of your life, it's hell, eternal damnation, forever. Hell. And then hell eventually will be thrown into the lake of fire, the Word of God says. Don't go there. Because the provision has been made through Jesus Christ. There's no reason why you should go there. And if you do, it's not God's fault. You made your own choice. And the fact is, you don't know when you're going to take your last breath on this earth. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come forward over here by this drum set. And I want to pray with you. Today you can get born again. Today you can know that if you died right now, you're going into the presence of God with Jesus. Now maybe there's someone in here, you're cold, you're lukewarm. You are like the church at Ephesus. You've left your first love. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm simply going to open up this altar. And I want you to pray on your own. I want you to seek the Lord. If, if You know who you are. If, you've, if you have walked away, your fervency has been gone. Your passion has been gone. But today, you're stirred up. And you see, I need to come back and make Jesus Christ the first love of my life. I'm just, I want you all, to re, those who want to rededicate and commit to that, just come forward to this altar. If you can honestly say, I've lost my fire. Maybe there's someone in here you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's a Bible experience. And God wouldn't put it in His Word if He didn't want us to have it and partake of it. It's very important. If you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit baptism and receive the Holy Spirit baptism, I want you to come forward over there also. You need healing in your body, emotions, any prayer for healing or just any kind of prayer, I want you to come over by the drum set also. The rest of you, why don't you come forward and light that fire again and just commit to the Lord. Lord, I want to put you as first priority in my life. I put other things before you and I'm sorry, I confess that it's sin.
lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Fill him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yeah. Go ahead, pray in the Holy Ghost, those of you who are baptized in the Spirit right now. Exercise your faith. Exercise that. Fresh fire, Lord. Fresh fire. Fresh fire, Lord, from heaven. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, any bondage upon these individuals in this building. Any bondage, Lord, that they come in with, I come against it, and I command it to loose them in the name of Jesus right now. Satan, you loose these individuals right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you. Oh, we gotta stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. Stir it up. Wednesday, if not Wednesday, Sunday, be praying for me. I'm going to Indianapolis and uh, Columbus, Ohio. Thursday, I'll be back Saturday. God bless you.